365 days a year. I'm Guy Rivera, your guy in the mortgage industry. It's time to pay attention. Come on, people. Think about it. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Mortgage industry is not rocket science. Your guide to the information you can use to choose the best answers to your real estate financing questions. If that loan agent tells you that, get up and run away. Now, here's your host on State and Islay. Your guy in the mortgage industry, Guy Rivera. Well, good afternoon, Santa Barbara. And you are absolutely correct. This is not Guy Rivera. But I bet you all know who I am. I am the resident realtor here, Ruth Ann Bovey, Village Properties. My Calbury number is 0175-1940. And just to get this out of the way really quick, Guy Rivera's NMLS number is 57662. His BRE number is 0122-0403. And he is a division of American Pacific Mortgage, whose NMLS number is 1850. 1850. That was a long time ago. That means they've been around for a long time. And their BRE number is 01215943. And that takes care of that. So I'm really excited to be here. Guy was supposed to be out of town ends up he's in town today and then he was very offended when I said that's okay guy we don't need you (laughs) he wasn't happy about that I said but we'd love to have you if you want to stop by so I don't know whether he's going to or not Guy Rivera you are welcome to stop by your own radio show Um, gonna be a fun show today I actually have two guests with me I will introduce them to you in just a moment. One is with me now. and um, But first I want to talk about uh, uh, a story that I have. So I am in the process of buying a house, an investment property in Washington State. And the ring- reason I bring this up is because it's just so interesting how different areas are. Um, Loan-specific, since this is a mortgage program. Oh, and by the way, hi, Richard. We should probably say hi to Richard. <laughs> hi, Richard. So the loan process in Washington State, I fill out my application. I send in all my information. I tell him what my credit score is. He's super excited. Evidently, I'm, one, uh, I'm a good buyer. I, I didn't realize this, but evidently, I'm one that they get excited about. And um, he doesn't do a credit check. He just takes my word for it. You know, doesn't – I don't actually – sign the application. I just fill it out and give him the information. And I send him all my documentation. And then we find the house that I want to buy. And we write an offer on the house. Now here, when you write an offer on a house, you have to identify when you're going to close escrow. And I never put in a specific date. Because if you're going to go back and forth with counter offering for, you know, five or six or 10 days and you've only, and you've specified a specific date, you've just lost five or 10 days of your escrow period. And that's a little scary because we're on a timeline, right? Well, she insisted that I put a specific date because that's how they do things. And 
so we have a November 1 closing date. That's what we put on the contract. So we're contractually obligated from my perspective. And she said, oh, no, well, we'll just move the date if we need to. And I'm thinking that's kind of rude to the to the sellers, isn't it? Because like they live in the house and, and, and they want to be able to move. And if we're going to be moving the closing date, well, that was from my my own agent that I hired out there. And then um, the other thing that was really strange was when, when we go into escrow, the first thing I do is I send the contract over to the lender so that they can order the appraisal. That appraisal is going to be key on whether this goes through or not. And so, so we get it done right away. And if they haven't ordered the appraisal, if I haven't heard from the appraiser within the first couple of days, I'm on the phone with that lender saying, hey, bud, what's up, you know? Um, there, they don't even order the appraisal until the home inspection is done. And it's my understanding that the home inspectors are crazy busy in this particular area that I'm buying in, and they're not supposed to be available for up to two weeks. And I'm thinking, if we don't even order the appraisal until after the home inspection is done, and the home inspection can't be done for two weeks into the escrow, how in the world are we going to close escrow by November 1st? That's next to impossible. And it makes me feel like we went into this escrow not being truthful. So, but this is the way they do things, and everybody there has assured me. Um, so the appraisal is more expensive there. It takes a lot longer, and it just seems like they're a lot more cavalier about timelines. I really believe that when we write an offer on a property, not only am I obligated, not only is my buyer and seller obligated, but the lender is obligated to these timelines that, that are on the contract. And I realize that there can be things that might happen that will prevent everything from going the way that we want it to. But but the bottom line is, why set a specific date if we know that we can't follow that date? So anyway, that's that's my, I'll get off my soapbox now. That's my topic for the day. I do want to introduce two people right now because we've got two people in-house with me. I've got... Brian Campbell here, who is running for city council, and uh, I believe you guys are all familiar with him because he was here last week with Guy. Yes. And Brian, do you want to say a few words about yourself? Well, congratulations, Ruthann. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how different things are done in different states, and a lot of states are handshake deals, and we're not used to that at all. So phenomenal. That's that's awesome. Uh, well, hey, everybody, Brian Campbell running for City Council District 2 here with you again this week. Um, I'm just happy to be here, talk about it. If anybody has any questions, please feel free to call in, too. Um, most of you know me by now. If you don't know me by now, I encourage you to go to my website, Brian, the number four, citycouncil.com. You will find out that I am one, the only candidate who has been talking about a lot of the issues that surround our city today, as beautiful as it is. We do have things we need to address, and I am the only one who has been talking about these issues in depth. So please take a look at my website and reach out to me. And I don't want to take time for everybody else. So. Oh, no, that's fine. That's fine. But to give us a little background about you. Who are you that you're running for city council? Okay, so who am I? Uh, I'm a father, family man, businessman. Um, homeowner. My, homeowner. Homeowner, absolutely, yes. Um, my background is I used to manage a $200 million bond portfolio. I 
am a trained attorney, and I've been selling real estate and negotiating contracts for the last 15 years with my wife, Natalie Grubb Campbell, and over at Village Properties with Ruth With Ann. me, right. Absolutely. So, and it's a family-owned company. In our company, we have a you know, motto, it takes a village. And so that's the whole point is our city, our town working together is we all need to work together for the benefit of everybody. Just in a real estate transaction, we have two sides. And if we dig our heels in like attorneys fighting over issues, nothing ever gets done and we don't make people happy. So uh, it's very, very important. So that's where I, I approach everything in life and that we need to work together Perfect. Well, Richard just gave me two fingers, and I like that better than one, <laughs> one. finger. So peace versus. <laughs> so we're going to take a little break here, and when we come back, I will introduce my other guest. Mesa Produce is there for you when the street market isn't. The owner picks from local growers to supply the finest in all varieties of fruits and vegetables, selecting the best from each and bringing them fresh to you. Be sure to grab one of their many homemade delicious jams. Mesa Produce is located on Cliff Drive on the Mesa. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sunday, noon to 6. Mesa Produce, bringing the farm to your table. During this time of record market highs and gradual economic recovery, it is essential to have a financial advisor you can trust. For 10 consecutive years, the Santa Barbara News Press Reader's Choice Poll has awarded Tremblay Financial Services recognition for the financial guidance they provide their clients. Tremblay Financial Services continues to design financial plans that are tailored to fit you. Tremblay Financial Advisors continually educate their clients with new options in financial planning. For more information or an appointment, please call 569-1982 or log on to TremblayFinancial.com. Tremblay Financial is located on the corner of State and Lacumbra. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Trumpy Financial Services and Centaurus Financial Incorporated are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against a loss in periods of declining values. Hello, Central Coast. We've got some good news for you. Tune in live during Drive Times Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m. for Solutions News, where we discuss what's going on that's positive in the world. 2019 is going to be a dark year. You'll hear about it everywhere else but here. We pledge to never bring up any problem unless we also share the solution, too. We know there are more solutions than problems, so we look at everything with a solutions mindset. Join us Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m. and hear what's working. second segment of our conversation here. Super excited. Uh, my second guest, uh, you may or may not be familiar with her. She has been with the Santa Barbara Association of Realtors for how many years now? Almost 12. 12 years. And I have to say, I am so impressed with the work that she does. She, what is your official position? Government Affairs Director. Government Affairs Director. So what that means is when there is an issue on hand that we disagree with or that we need help with, from a homeowner standpoint, like she's the one 
that is really our advocate for all of it. She is the one that is busting her butt and going up to Sacramento and going to all these other meetings and and going to the city and really out there helping us achieve the things that we as realtors and homeowners need to achieve to protect our rights. And so with that, I'd like to introduce Krista Pleiser and let her say if she can add anything to that. I think I've embarrassed her sufficiently. Thanks, Ruthann. I really appreciate you inviting me over here. Um, Yeah, basically, I'm the local lobbyist for the Santa Barbara Association of Realtors, in which we promote and advocate and educate on private property rights as well as home ownership. So it's not always just advocating against something. We also go forward and say, hey, we really like this idea. We really think that this is good for the community. Let us help you with this. Let us help educate the community at large. In the past, we've done an entire postcards across an entire city to just advocate and to educate people on the new regulations that came down. So we're not always against something. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I, I I just, all I know is that I've been so excited about the things that you've accomplished that those are the things that I see first and foremost. So I get that and, and appreciate that. So um, the reason that I have Brian and Krista here today, well, one is because Brian's running for city council. So if you live over on the Mesa area and parts of the west side, right? Mesa, Bel Air Knowles, oh, Bel- West Knowles Beach. Too, right? Yeah, all the way to Alta Mesa and down to the west side, yeah. So if you live in any of those areas, first of all, make sure you register to vote. Please, if you're not registered to vote, please go get registered. Pretty, pretty please. You can call me and I will bring you an application to register. Um, um, And second, vote for Brian because he really has our best interest. He's not a politician. He's just a human being that understands what's going on and wants to do something about it to make our beautiful community so much better. So vote for Brian. Yay. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And so between him and Krista, he's also very aware of a lot of the things that are going on in the real estate market. And I did want to make sure that we stayed focused on real estate related um, topics. And so, Krista, what would you say is the the biggest thing on the horizon right now in terms of what you're advocating for or working on? Um, it really depends. We, we, with the Santa Barbara Association of Realtors, deal with the South Coast. So Carpinteria, City of Santa Barbara, Goleta, as well as the County of Santa Barbara, South County. And so, but I would say kind of one of the biggest issues and things coming down the pike is AB 1482, which has passed the California legislature, but it has not been signed by the governor yet. And what this is, is basically it's rent caps as well as just cause eviction for the next 10 years. I remember Guy and I talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago when I was on the show, and uh, and he hasn't signed it yet, but he is expected to sign it, and that, that's correct? Yes. And it's my understanding that uh, it will go into effect January 1st? Yes. And what it does is it, it makes it so that landlords cannot increase your rent more than 3% plus, is this incorrect, 4%? Yeah. It's five. It's five percent plus the regional CPI. Oh, I so, thought it was three percent plus regional five percent. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent amount. Oh, that's right. And it works out to about eight percent right now, right? Seven, Seven to eight percent. Yeah. Right. So when you think about it, a, a landlord can increase the rent seven to eight percent or five percent plus whatever the cost of living increases per year. That's a pretty decent 
increase. So I, I kind of feel like I'm okay with that. What's, what are every, what's everybody else saying? Brian, Kristen, Christy, either of you? I mean, I think that one of the big issues is the fact that with the rent caps, it's been where a lot of landlords haven't raised their rents for a really long time. They're mom and pops. They have just a couple of units. They have great tenants. And they haven't raised the rents. And there's a reason for that, because they want to keep these tenants in. However, now that the market is being dictated by the government instead of just letting the market do its own thing, now people are going to feel forced to raise these rents. And it won't just be a one-time thing. It will be year after year after year. Well, but yes and no. So so when I think about not, I know that I lived in a place where my landlady didn't raise the rent for 11 years. She never raised the rent ever. So if she never raised the rent, like what would be the difference if she wanted to raise the rent 8% now? I mean, why would she worry about it if she never raised the rent anyway? Because, for example, say that she needs to and she ends up having to have like burst pipes or there's some major renovation that needs to happen and then she needs to compensate for it. Well, now she's not able to do a proper compensation for it. She's going to have to do the 5% plus CPI every single year. And so what we're finding is that a lot of mom and pops are saying, well, I can't take that risk. I can't risk maybe losing thousands of dollars because of a what if, and therefore I need to protect myself and make sure that I have that increase every single year because that's the only way that I can keep up with market rates Mm -hmm. or even get somewhat close to market rates. Mm -hmm. So another way to equate it out is that, uh, especially coming off of the debris flow and a lot of families were underinsured. So having a low rent basis is being underinsured. The family was able to cash flow it. They don't think anything about it. But if something big comes up in the house or apartments or else need a large remodel or pipe retrofit, something else like that, not a lot of people who are renting out these houses and have marked up the rents in a while have any cash to do the work of renovation. So it would make them bankrupt or they have to sell the property if they right, weren't so, able But to we're not talking about expense. single family homes so, or condos, correct? It, this is just apartment buildings? Correct. And is so it two is units it, or more at this point is unless, what they're talking about. Unless so. there's an owner occupancy. So example, if right. you have a duplex, if you own one, if you own it and you live in one, then you don't have it. What if it's but, a fourplex and you live in one, just the no. two units? Yes. Okay. So, but again, the, the concern is, is that a lot of people used to not raise rents and now landlords are also, not all are necessarily aware of what's going on. So I've gotten calls from tenants to say that landlords are actually increasing their rent incrementally over the next 12 months or until this goes into effect, raising the rents because they're concerned they're not going to be able to raise rents in But the it's future. retroactive to March so, anyway, isn't it? So if they raise the rent more than the 8% between March of 2019... Right. And January of 2020, it has to go back down, right? Yes. So again, even if they do raise their rent now, it's it's it has still has to go back down to the eight percent. Right. So. But that's the point: is, is the lack of communication, the lack of information, leaves everybody worried and terrified as right. to what's going to happen. So right. you have tenants who are terrified because they don't know what's going to happen. You have landlords thinking, "Well, I'm going to get locked in here. I've got to stick at this rent for the rest of my life." 
and that's not the truth. And, and that's the point, again, with government in general is not the best communicator until later, as you said, January, when it rolls out, they'll all of a sudden tell everybody, oh, by the way, this is what you're supposed to be doing, just like one-year lease requirements. Right. So the, It's interesting about the rent control thing. So I have a client, we're in escrow on a property, and um, we found out well into the escrow that they didn't have the permits. The permits were not final yet. So now we're 70 days into what should have been a 20, 20 day all cash escrow. We're now 70 days into it. Her lease is up where she's been renting. She was a fire victim, which oh, is really sad. So yeah. she was a fire victim. She's been in a, um, in a rental unit and she, her, it's a property management company, not here in town, fortunately, otherwise it'd be knocking on their door. Um, but they, are telling her that if she's going to go month to month now, it's going to be a 238% increase wow. on her rent. Wow. That's ridiculous. It is. It's yeah. ridiculous. And Or she can sign a three-month lease, and then her rent only goes up $500 a month, which is still, you know, still... 25% or so, 30% actually, I think. No, that only hurts a tenant. And and again, one of the biggest things about all of this that's been coming down out of Sacramento and from the city itself is a lack of communication and a definite lack of clear communication. So people don't know exactly what their rights are, where they stand. And that's, again, part of my issue with the city always is that you don't get anything from them. They don't communicate with you. Right. We're just not getting enough communication. I understand that one. We got the two fingers again. So we're going to take another little break and we will be back before you know it. Hi, I'm Annette Jorgensen from American Riviera Bank. As a preferred SBA lender, small business lending is alive and well at American Riviera Bank. With local decisions, fast responses, and an understanding of the local, commercial, and residential real estate markets, we offer you free consulting services as you work to grow your small business. If you need a loan, bank on us. Call me and schedule your free business consultation today, 805-979-3846. When it's time to clean your carpets... You should know that some carpet cleaners can leave harmful toxins in your home or office. That's why Wallace Cleaning Company created the four-step cleaning process that uses state-of-the-art equipment and environmentally safe, non-toxic solutions to clean your carpets with your satisfaction guaranteed and your safety in mind. Since 1979, Wallace Cleaning Company has been the Santa Barbara area's premier choice for quick, quiet, efficient, and safe carpet cleaning that dries in two hours or less. When it's time to clean your carpets at home or office, it's time to call a name you can trust at a price you can afford. It's time to call 967-1860 to talk to the pros at Wallace Cleaning Company, where no job is too big or too small. Wallace Cleaning Company, 967-1860. Learn more about the affordable four-step cleaning process that cleans your carpets with your safety in mind. I'm Richard Dugan, your host for Tell Me Your Story, the Peabody Award-nominated radio program that comes your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streamed live at richarddugan.com, podcasts on the radio show's page, and SoundCloud and iTunes. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Join us every weekend, and be sure to drop us a line, tmys at richarddugan.com. That's tmys for Tell Me Your Story at richarddugan.com. And join us, won't you?
And welcome back to Mortgage Matters. This is Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties, covering for Guy Rivera with Guarantee Mortgage. I'm here with Brian Campbell, who is running, who also happens to be with Village Properties and is running for City Council, and Krista Pleiser, who is with the Santa Barbara Association of Realtors. During the break, we were having an interesting conversation, and I really feel like it it, it hit the nail on the head of of one of the big concerns about this AB what fourteen eighty two fourteen eighty two. Brian, you want to tell us what you were what, what yeah, you were saying? Yeah, so what we're talking about, and a large part of the concern is there's a lot of people who own properties and they rent them out and they cash flow. And then for 5, 10, 20 years, they don't really raise the rents much because they're cash flowing out. They're not worried about it. Right, and, but, and you start raising rents and then tenants move out and you don't want that to happen because right. the place could be vacant for a month and that just costs you a lot more than you would have made in the right. little increase. We own right? rental properties. We don't bump up rents or anything else like that because, again, it's cash flowing. We want to keep good tenants in place. Exactly. The problem is, is that the way our market works here is that when the seller goes to sell the property and when the owner below, goes to sell right, when, when the owner decide yeah, when the owner decides mm-hmm. to sell their rental property and they're 25 30% 50% below market rent a new buyer is going to pay based upon the cash flow or what we call a cap rate on the property and in the old days a owner seller would say well the market rent's really all the way up here so I want to ask this sale price I want to sell my property for this price up here Nowadays, a new owner is going to say, well, no, I can't bump up the rent. So your property value is actually worth a lot less than what you think it is. And that's the key issue. So so the property values could potentially tank for people that have not raised their rents over the years because of the fact that they, if they go to sell, they, they can't, the new owners can't, right. can't r- raise the rates either. And the cap rate is now based on the well below market value rates as opposed to market rates. And that's why landlords feel they have to lower. raise the rents by the 5% plus the CPI every year. So this right. way they can keep the market value of their property up. So in the old days, they wouldn't raise rents until they sold. 10, 20, 30 years. Now they feel they have to raise the rents every single year. So this way it doesn't affect their property value. Right. So that's why landlords are feeling the crunch of, I have to raise my tenants' rents now. And in addition to that, um, this this other uh, component of it, which is the uh, just cause, um, that kind of is just one more smack in the face of apartment building owners or rental property owners. Krista, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so just cause is basically, it sounds exact, it is what it sounds like. You need to have a just cause to evict someone, to get rid of someone. Um, There's different, two different categories. There's 15 reasons. There's at fault, which when you have an at fault, that means that it's like based upon the tenant breaching the, the lease, things of that nature. Somebody not paying their rent, somebody right. not living up to their... Somebody having terms. 20 of their friends live with them. Yes. Right. Things having like that. pets when they're not supposed to. Yeah. And when Making you... drugs in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Those are all just causes. Yes. Like on Slido's And <laughs> that, that doesn't require the payment of relocation assistance. However, if it's no fault, meaning basically say the landlord wants to move in, they want to do an owner occupancy or, you know, they have 
family that wants to move in, um, and there's a few other reasons, then substantial remodeling, a withdrawal from the rental market. Or if they want to sell. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then you have to give... um, you have to give payment of relocation assistance, which is one month rent. It's just one month. It is one month rent. Yes. So, but Why, what was I reading? There was something else that came out that it said it was four months rent. So that was actually a proposal by um, that the landlord, the tenant landlord task force came up with in regards to relocation assistance when the And that's task, your local, that's the right? City, that yeah. would have been the city, but that was pushed out. The recommendations from that task force were pushed out by the city council. And so I mean, that, it wasn't... That's just crazy. There okay, were one month, I understand. If you don't have... If you don't have reason, if you've had a tenant there that's been there for a year, they shouldn't have to be forced to move every year. So I completely get the idea of if, and this is just based on people that have been there for a year, right? Right. And and so if you, you know, to, to come to them and say, oh, no, I decided I want to move into it. Well, these people just spent all that money moving. So one month's rent, I understand. Four months' rent just seemed... A little cray cray. Well, the me. original proposal was three months or five thousand dollars, whichever is the greater amount. I thought it was for the both. city of Santa that Barbara. Was, that was for, for the city, city of Santa Barbara. That yeah. was yes, the original was three proposal. The, so, three months or five thousand, whichever is greatest, was yeah. the original proposal. Yeah. Which is why everybody got up in arms, saying that's just that's a lot of that's money. That's too much. Especially you get the little Talk lady who owns bankrupt. properties, and she's got to go. Okay, I don't have the money to do that. So. What's interesting, though, about the at-fault just cause is the fact that the landlord does need to prove that these things are occurring, the the actual faults. So and how do you prove that your tenant has never paid rent? That's I easy. mean, <laughs> no receipts, sh- right? No, right? Well, no. you don't get a receipt when you pay rent unless you pay in cash. No, but you, you wouldn't have You should be given a receipt. Uh, if, uh, any good tenant should turn around and receive a receipt if they're smart. That's what we're all no, told. Okay. We, Nobody we have does auto it. deposit. That's what I mean. We, all all, um, all yeah. my bills are paid. I, I, I'm assuming that everybody they they just automatically have it transferred. Well, and that's where a cash part. check is like having is like having a receipt. It's the tenants who pay in cash who don't receive receipts. That's what we're talking about as far as that goes. Yeah, I mean right. that. But, but I mean, in general, if you haven't received a check, how do you prove that you didn't? You turn over your bank statements and say, "Look, he never paid." Yeah. You, yeah. Maybe you did get checks and you want them out, and you just. I mean, there's just so many loopholes through all of this. If, you know, I, if I don't want you as a tenant and I just take your checks and I hide them. But, I mean, also think about I mean, not if, that anybody would really uh, do that. Yeah, but also what if what if you have a tenant who you're in a non, non-smoking building, but you continually get complaints of a person smoking and you have to prove that that person is actually smoking. How are you going to do that? How are you going to prove? Because if you go to take you, the pictures and the video, is that going to be harassment? Yeah. And then are you going to be able to get your well, neighbors you, to to be basically be, quote, witnesses in saying that they're doing this and write an actual affidavit and well, sign that, it? And well, it's an issue like I houses mean, or properties where people are doing drugs in them. And there exactly. are people, and we have this issue at a house right next to our Washington Elementary School where there are people who are doing drugs there. And it's like, how are you going to prove it? You go, know that they're doing drugs or it it. it it has been, obvious. It, 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 has, it has been reported, and it was a sober living house in the past. And today, on my way over here, I got a call from two different neighbors. There were two people lying on the driveway who were twitching and twinging, and the fire department showed up. So 
and they stumbled up the block. So again, it's a he said, she said, and that's the problem is that it becomes a he said, she said. So then that's what Chris is talking about is how do you catch these people? You know, do you go in and video? Do you, you, you can't go on their private property because they have property rights as well. So but can you put rings on all the doorbells? <laughs> <laughs> I love my ring. That's a great plug right there. <laughs> I got them. <laughs> I mean, I guess that would be an invasion of somebody's privacy. But if you have concerns about loitering or yeah. theft, or if you're having cars broken into or something like that, that would be a reason to put something like that up, right? Yeah. I mean, um, you could definitely have, I mean, check with your local lawyer on this. Yes, but, check um, with your lawyer <laughs> on all of this. <laughs> However, on external property that is yours, then yes, you can have, you know, your CCTV and things of that nature. But if it's within certain areas or things that you can't quite catch, and I mean, yeah. just how do you prove it? Yeah. Wherever a person has a reasonable expectation of privacy. So like an exposed front yard, they don't have a reasonable expectation of privacy. So there, there are places. But oh, again, right. consult an attorney, an attorney. So, so they <laughs> 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 get a bad rap. He's recovering. <laughs> yeah. That's why I started doing real estate. It's a much happier life. <laughs> uh, okay. So what else is, is on our, our plate today? Well, what about the one-year lease? Yeah, so the city of Santa Barbara does have a requirement of a mandatory offer of a one-year lease um, to tenants. and what but, but tenants don't have to accept no. it, correct? Correct. Landlords have to offer it, but tenants don't have to accept and it. And I think that there's a lot of confusion there because I've been getting calls from tenants that are like, I don't want another year right. lease. No, you don't have to take the lease. It just has to be offered to you. And it has yes. to be signed in writing if they don't want the one-year lease. Right. Otherwise, there's ramifications for the owner-landlord. But even with this caveat... They still cannot, if you're not in a lease and you're on a month-to-month -month because you chose not to be in the lease, they still cannot increase your rent more than the 5% plus CPI, correct? Now with the state law, correct. Okay. Right. So why would you even need so, to worry about going into a lease other than so that you wouldn't? And then every 12 months, the landlord has to then offer another 12-month lease and it's up to the tenant. So if a property owner thinks they're going to sell the property or remodel it in the next three to six months, and they're forced into a one-year lease, a landlord or property owner may choose to not renew a lease or otherwise because they know they have to do something the next three to four months. So they don't want to, that property owner may not want to lock in the property for another 12-month period. Understood. So that that's the issue with having the one-year lease automatically renewed to a one-year lease every single year. I mean, the reality in all of these issues that we're talking about is that it is making it much more difficult for owners of investment property to sell their properties. That's really one of the biggest issues is that it... Or remodel them or, yeah. Yeah, but really the hard part is, you know, how do you sell it when it has to have a one-year lease? So, and they're affecting property values. Right, yes, so. right, which I think some people are excited about, but... Which, I mean, the, the Association of Realtors, we were actually part of the Tenant Landlord Task Force. We were one of the stakeholders on there. And we advocated for a lot of tenant protections that came forward. And we and that's did, a good point. We want to make sure that yeah. they realize that the Association of Realtors and Realtors in general 
it isn't just about property owners' rights. We do care about tenants' rights. The rights just have to make sense. Well, yeah, we care and that's about private pro- property. Right. Own, um, that's private property rights. I mean, it, it doesn't exactly. say only if you own. It's also if you if you rent. We want to make sure that everyone has a roof over their head. But it's That's also but it's also the matter of you need to make sure that you can balance everything. And with constant government intervention, it's hard to keep that balance going for for a lot of folks. Agreed. All right. Well, we made it to the one finger point. Sorry about that, Richard. But we will be back in just a moment. Santa Barbara residents interested in a four-year degree have more than one choice. CSU Channel Islands is a four-year accredited university offering more than 30 academic programs that are interdisciplinary, multicultural, and centered on you, the student. Your professors are accessible mentors who go above and beyond to help you pursue an undergraduate or graduate degree or certificate to advance your career. CSU Channel Islands is affordable and financial aid is available with campuses in Thousand Oaks and Goleta. Call CSU Channel Islands at 805-437-8520 or online at csuci.edu. I'm Andy Caldwell, inviting you to join me right here on AM 1290. Join me on Tuesday. Steve Frank's going to tell us what's going on in the state of California. We're also going to talk about the world's best health care at a quarter of the price. It's the Andy Caldwell Show every weekday from 3 to 5 p.m. right here at AM 1290, the news press radio station. Don't miss the show. So many things to do and so little time, it's no wonder busy people from soccer moms to active professionals choose Educated Hand Car Wash. So why is Educated Hand Car Wash so different? It's the convenience factor. Their system is a complete hand car wash with a spot-free rinse and, as always, the most competitive gas prices in town. Through the technology of reverse osmosis, the last rinse that hits your car is pure and clean. And don't forget to really prepare your car for the winter months ahead with Educated Car Wash's detailing department. Their services include shampoo and carpets, paste and polish waxing with an oscillating buffer, and cleaning and conditioning the upholstery. A professional detail at reasonable prices. Award-winning year after year in the news press and independent. Educated Car Wash at the corner of Hitchcock and State, right next to Jack in the Box. Follow them on Twitter and Facebook. Educated Car Wash. And we are back. I don't think I was expecting it to happen so quickly. Where does the time go? (laughs) We were just talking about what we were going to talk about next, and we didn't get to finish having that conversation. Well, I have something real quick. Again, trying to balance out both sides between a property owner, a landlord, and a tenant as well is that I'm concerned about everything that comes down to lack of communication, that landlords are going to be less likely to be nice and friendly and take on tenants that have poor credit scores or lower bank accounts, things like that. And that's one of my concerns about all this legislation that's coming down is we don't want homeowners or property owners or landlords to be biased against tenants. And again, that's what we're talking about with the Association of Realtors, pro-tenant, pro-landlord, because it's all about property rights. And we really, and our job is to help people of and all I walks of life find homes. And I think the tenants don't understand that they, they do have property rights. Yes. Correct. So they have an ownership interest. It just isn't, it's, it's the, their right is to 
live in the property without being yeah. bothered unnecessarily. Yeah, there's like and a 20 page property rights info for um, tenants that's right. out there. Right. I mean, it's from and the state that says updating, federal, yeah. state, local, like all of that stuff. So the Rental Housing Mediation Task Force, I think it's called, from the yes. city of Santa Barbara, it has tons of information on right. there that right. has what everyone's rights are. I've been in touch are. with them to get some clarification when I was helping tenants out with things, right. too. And one thing, another thing we were talking about during the break is, you know, we were talking about when, when you get to be a certain age and then you realize you can't afford the rent mm-hmm. anymore. And it's like, well, why didn't you ever buy something? And I think that one of the big misconceptions is that people think that they have to come up with a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars as a down payment, and that's just not the case. You may not get that big, beautiful home, but there's a way to have home ownership if you have a decent credit score. I'm not even saying a great credit score, a decent credit score. There are down payment assistant programs. I mean, if you can come up with even three percent, you can get two-bedroom condos for $400,000. So figure out what 3% of that is, and that might make it a little more doable. If you have questions, feel free to call me, Ruth Ann Bovey at Village Properties, 805-698-1971. I love working with people that have never bought homes before, first-time homebuyers, educating them on how it all works and how they can make it happen. And and I'm honest, like if I don't think it can happen for you, I'm going to tell you, here's what you need to do to make it happen. And then it's up to you if you want to do it or not. But let's go back to my guests, Krista Pleiser and Brian Campbell running for city council. Vote for Brian. It's a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what's coming up? Is there anything else coming up in your world that we should know about that you can tell us about yet? <laughs> I don't think there's enough time to cover all the topics. Um, but I do think kind of on the same topic of what we were just talking about is helping people out with home ownership and with housing and things of that nature. The... Um, there actually is going to be a Housing Santa Barbara Day on Saturday, October 9th in the De La Guerra Plaza. And it's going to have, we're one of the Saturday, supporters. Saturday, October 9th? 19th. Sorry. Okay. Saturday, October say, 19th. Tomorrow is the 9th. <laughs> yes. And the 10th is my birthday, and that's how I knew that it was not Saturday. Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. So the 19th, Saturday the 19th, there's a Housing Santa Barbara Day. Yes. And and where is it and what is it? It's going to be a De La Guerra Plaza, and what it is is that it's just a whole bunch of resources that are all going to come together, and you can. there's going to be different workshops, different booths. You can go and talk about rental housing, buying opportunities, anything and everything to do with housing. So this is going to be, this is the second year in a row that the Housing Authority is actually putting this on. And it's going to be from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at De La Guerra Plaza. And Housing Authority, is that the same people that help with the, when, when, when new construction is made, there's always, always has to be some affordable housing, which for those of you that have lower income, that's something you should seriously look into. Yes. They, they, it's a lottery type thing most of the time. And mm-hmm. you put your name in and I know I have a friend that got a one bedroom place over on uh, the 100 block of De La Guerra Street, those gorgeous condos. And he got it for like $300,000. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like he was paying more rent than what his mortgage costs. No sell for well over a million dollars each. They do. Yeah. They do. And we're really lucky in that our housing authority here in the city has, I believe it's somewhere between like 15 to 18 percent of the affordable housing stock in the entire city. So if you kind of think of a pie chart of how much is just from the housing authority, that's a pretty big chunk. And we're really lucky to have that. I agree. Yeah. I think Santa Barbara has about the overall housing is about 13 percent of it is affordable or out of all the housing within the city of Santa Barbara, which is actually a very high number. Comparatively. Yeah. Right. And and. Uh, and then I just lost my train of thought. I hate when that <laughs> happens. So, so affordable housing. I, and I, I think this goes back to your point, Brian, on the communication. Because far too many people don't know about it. They don't know about the housing authority. They don't know about affordable housing. Right. They don't know that they can be homeowners for next to nothing. Because we just are not getting the word out. And so I think that we should make it our mission, Krista. I'll jump on board this wagon <laughs> and Brian to yeah. get the word out about what options there are, whether it be finding affordable housing to rent or finding affordable housing to buy or getting yourself in a position. So, we're And we're going to be working on a resource page for our Santa Barbara Association of Realtors website that has things like this. Perfect. Perfect. What else do we have? We still have how many minutes do we have left, Richard? Minutes. We've got 10. We, got two to break. we have 10 minutes and two minutes to break. So I get to talk to you for another minute. Yes, before you get the finger wags. Right, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> two fingers, not one. Peace, well, not. Yeah, love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Well, you know, again, I, I think we kind of hit the nail on the head right there is that I think that Santa Barbara as a whole has no idea the amount of resources that are here that they could be tapping into and the amount of help. As you pointed out, $400,000, condo with these uh, assistance to buy may only be five to $10,000 out of your pocket. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, six figures. And I think a lot of people are completely unaware of that. And it's So if you know people that are renting... Talk to them about it. I know that a lot of the people that are in our audience out there are homeowners. They, they already know. They already get all of this stuff. So spread the word to the people that aren't as fortunate as we are. And, and let's, let's share some of the love. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. And we're going to take a break now. And we will see you back in just a minute. During this time of record market highs and gradual economic recovery, it is essential to have a financial advisor you can trust. For 10 consecutive years, the Santa Barbara News Press Reader's Choice Poll has awarded Tremblay Financial Services recognition for the financial guidance they provide their clients. Tremblay Financial Services continues to design financial plans that are tailored to fit you. Tremblay Financial Advisors continually educate their clients with new options in financial planning. For more information or an appointment, please call 569-1982 or log on to TremblyFinancial.com. Tremblay Financial is located on the corner of State and Lacumbra. Securities and advisory services offered through Centaurus Financial Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Tremblay Financial Services and Centaurus Financial Incorporated are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. No investment strategy can guarantee a profit or protect against a loss in periods of declining values. 
Hi, I'm Annette Jorgensen from American Riviera Bank. As a preferred SBA lender, small business lending is alive and well at American Riviera Bank. With local decisions, fast responses, and an understanding of the local, commercial, and residential real estate markets, we offer you free consulting services as you work to grow your small business. If you need a loan, bank on us. Call me and schedule your free business consultation today, 805-979-3846. This is the place that talks about Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara's astronomical unit. Community Matters. Radio Real Estate. Money Talk. The Andy Caldwell Show. Santa Barbara T-Sports Radio Show. Golf Radio Show. Community Alert. Mortgage Matters. Welcome to the Voices. 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 Voices of Santa Barbara. The CEO Report. The Heart Presents about a chicken. the Table Hour. Welcome to Around the World. The Jeremiah Show. The History. Friday. The Art and Antiques Radio Show. Garden Gossip. Hook and Fork Radio. Solutions News. Tell me your story. KZSB. AM 1290. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. This is Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties. I'm here with Brian Campbell, also with Village Properties and running for city council, and Chris Pleiser from the Santa Barbara Association of Realtors. Thanks to Les, I now know to say, and if you weren't with us in the first <laughs> part of the hour, <laughs> we've been talking about all of the changes that are coming about related to uh, investment property ownership, um, the the tenant cap rights. on yeah tenant rights and caps on rental increases and one year leases and we're going to shift gears just a little bit. Uh, I understand that there's a new zoning regulation in the city of Goleta. Yeah, so the city of Goleta has actually, for the past couple of years, has been rewriting their zoning ordinance. So when they became a city. 15 years ago or whenever it was, um, they took on the zoning ordinances that were from the county. So it just kind of rolled over. And the city of Goleta has grown as such that they're like, yeah, those really aren't working for us anymore. So we're going to do our own zoning ordinance. So they've been writing it. Please, no zoning inspections, though. And writing it. No, no, no. We we put the kibosh on that right away and just said how it doesn't work. Um, But so the new zoning ordinance is getting closer and closer to adoption. It is going forward to the Planning Commission, Goleta Planning Commission, actually this Thursday in the evening. And one of the important parts is what's interesting is there is this thing called ESHA, which is Environmentally Sensitive Habitat Areas. And usually there's a buffer for ESHAs. Usually it's about 25 to 50 feet um, with your property. And so if you have these ESHA areas, it basically means you have some special like manzanita bush or some other type of bush, flora, flana, something along. Protected species. Yes, that needs to be protected and therefore you really can't touch that area and you need to have a buffer zone so you don't touch it. So so you, you can still have that be part of your property, you just can't build on it. Yes, Exactly. Well, now there are some proponents that are trying to move forward and actually have that buffer zone be moved to 100 feet. Well, that just wiped out most of the properties. Exactly. Because in the the city of Goleta, properties are, you know, 7,000 square feet. They're 50 by 70. Right. And this is, you know, a bud in a creek. 
ESHA, things of that nature. So this is definitely something that we're um, keeping our eye on and we'll be commenting on. And it was kind of brought up last minute. And um, we're just hoping that the city of Goleta realizes that, yes, Goleta is the good land and it's very special. However, we just need to be practical in what we're doing and realize that with the new accessory dwelling unit laws and things of that nature, that maybe there needs to be a little bit of give and take here and there. And I think at 100 feet, I mean, that wouldn't be something that they're trying to use to prevent ADUs because we know that the state will just come back next year and squash that one. We, we, we probably could see legislation like that, yes. Yeah. Okay. And the battle <laughs> so, continues. Exactly. So, so that's coming up. Right now, it's not impacting anybody. Uh, no. And, and any houses that are, any structures that are already there, even if they do say that it's 100 feet, they'll be grandfathered in, right? They just would not be able to expand. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Or is that a legal question? No, I mean, it's a, it's a land use planning. It just depends on how they write it within their the ordinance on if it's a grandfathered in or if it's as of a certain date or something along those lines. And then another thing you were mentioning was Carpinteria. Let's bring the whole (laughs) little area into it. Carpinteria, we tend to focus more on city of Santa Barbara, I think, because I I live here. But Carpinteria, I love Carpinteria. My family rents a beach house right on the beach every year for a week. It is our That's favorite. It's a beautiful town. Yeah. yeah. Carpinteria is such a cute week. little seaside cottage town and love the fact that they want to keep it that way. However, what's very interesting is when state laws came down regarding accessory dwelling units, ADUs, the city of Carpinteria said, actually, we're all within the coastal zone and therefore we don't really have to adhere to state law. So have a nice day. We're not going to do it. (laughs) Um, So fast forward to now, at which point um, they, given what the Coastal Commission has been sending down through memos and things of that nature, the Carpinteria City Council actually did just vote in order to look at and start um, the initiation process to create an ADU ordinance that is in compliance with state law. And the bottom line is, just like everywhere else, they need to be able to create additional housing some way. Yes. And this is one of the easiest ways to do it. Yes. Do it well, organically. is that the end of my time? That is the end of my time. I can't believe it. It's been a whole hour. Getting Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Chris Pfizer, Santa Barbara Association of Realtors, Brian Campbell. For, um, also from Village Properties, I am Ruth Ann Bovey with Village Properties and have a great week. It's 